So hello and welcome to episode one of season five of the Salopcast uh, with myself, Glyn Price. And I'm joined by the first one for this season, uh, as usual, by Ollie Warner. So yeah, a bit of a long time no speak, Ollie. Um, but yeah, season five, we're into it. Hi, Glyn. Yep, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, it's crazy to be back. Um, and yeah, it's crazy to think we're now in season five mm. of the Salopcast now. We never expected to be to be going this for this long or we didn't really know what to expect did we to be honest um so yeah here we are again and um yeah it'll be a new season um a different season this time round with everything yeah. that's been going on um but yeah a season that you know hopefully we can get excited about and hopefully it can be a bit more entertaining than last season yeah and hopefully we can finish it <laughs> unlike last year which is obviously uh the sort of um millstone around the, the, the football at the moment isn't it and we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through this episode ollie because there's a lot of things have changed within football and, and the football you know environment since we probably last did a normal podcast ollie so yeah i mean season five it is interesting you know we, we've done 186 episodes so far ollie um sort of 152 normal ones and 34 extra you know interviews and bits and pieces so it's over 180 hours of content <laughs> that we put out now which um averages to about you know we try to keep it below an hour every week but we're i think we're about 58 minutes so far so that's our average and yeah we talked about this quite a while back ollie i think maybe when we were we were coming up around 100 uh, listen 100 episodes we've had 113,000 listens now in the in the four seasons so far um which is fantastic isn't it really and yeah 100 guest appearances from 39 guests and we've covered, Ollie five managers, um, with Ricketts being the fifth one. So, yeah, I don't know how many more managers we'll go through during our time doing the podcast. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, before we get into this season, we have covered quite a lot of change at the football club, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We've yeah, covered, um, it's been pretty much a lot of it League One. Um, but, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. been interesting um, in, terms of, in terms of changes. We've seen different styles. We've seen some, some really good players come through as well, haven't we? Obviously, Dean Henderson, Ben Godfrey, who are now yeah. are really highly rated players. Um, and we've seen some of our own players go on and do well as well. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it should be a good season. Um, we've got some interesting details to get into this this one um, and some new signings. And yeah, hopefully we can have a few more new signings before the pre-season ends and yeah, mm. get into a new season. There's a lot of questions about this season, probably more questions than answers going into this season than maybe even last season. Oh, for sure, for sure. And before we get on to this season then, Ollie, I'll ask you a question. I didn't pre-empt you on this one, but, you know, we've done four episodes, four seasons so far. What, what, is there one moment of the Saddlecast that stands out to you as something that, you know, you always think of as, as oh, that was good, or it kind of stands out to you really as, as personally as the host? Um, I think it has to be when we did the emergency pod, Mickey Mellon got sacked after long <laughs> we've done it. And I remember recording using, like, loads of iPhone cables, an iPad, my phone, Several cables all plugged into different things. Um, yeah, doing the Mickey Mellon one, I think, was was one. And also, uh, more recently, uh, when we had that game um, at home where um, there was a um, chance of, like, rickets out and stuff, and we had, like, about a 1,000 listens in a couple of days, which was just yeah. unbelievably phenomenal. And it was, and it just kind of, yeah, it makes us smile a bit, doesn't it, when we see these numbers and that people kind of, yeah, engage with us. Um, and, yeah, that, well, that was a good one as well. Yourself? Yeah, I, I agree with two, both of those, actually. But for me, I think that... Uh, whole, you know, as much as you know, I might be known on this podcast for having my rants about it when it's really bad. I really enjoyed the last ten to fifteen podcasts of that Paul Hurst season because we just were so excited and it was just such a glorious time to be at, at sort of following that story. And some of the podcasts we did there got massive listens, didn't they? And and it was just really, really good fun. So yeah, we will move on to the season now, Ollie, because I'm hoping we we go back somewhere along those lines and and you know we've got something exciting to talk about because it certainly makes this podcast a million times more fun to talk about. But yeah, Ollie, go on, run us through the 
agenda what we've got to cover because we've got a lot of things to sort of you know get in our teeth into really haven't we yeah so we're going to have a very detailed um, dive into the salad caps um, I've done quite a bit of work and been talking to a few different people behind the scenes to try and get some insight and I think we'll be able to share things that I have not seen and I've as you know Glenn I've been looking at this quite intensely over the last few days yeah yeah um, I've got stuff information that and the insights that I haven't seen online. So that should be quite mm. cool. So we have to bring those first. And then we'll look at the squad a little bit, comings and goings, um, where we think areas for improvement are. And we've got some feedback from some of the fans. And then I'll call it a bit of housekeeping, Glenn. So we, you, know, <laughs> you love your salad news. Um, so we've got yeah. some salad news to go through. Um, so sure. the kits and the grounds and things like that. So yeah, we do. We obviously like to talk about stuff on the pitch. And but we also like to give people a bit of a holistic view of what's going on with Shrewsbury Town. I definitely want to talk about the kit later, Ollie. Got a lot of good things to say about that. But um, yeah, I suppose we'll we'll leave it there. We'll have a little gap, and then we'll we'll move straight into your salary salary cap information. Jamie Tolly then scored from the spot against Barnet a couple of weeks ago, and he does it again. Jamie Tolly, first blood to the town. They lead one nil. So the salary cap um, has been implemented. Um, it was mm. I think a bit of a surprise because even though it had been rumoured, um, no one really believed it was going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess just kind of so basically there's going to be a salary cap which replaces all the other rules around um, finance in terms of players and budgets and things like that there was a rule before that it was 60% of your income you could spend now yep. I guess the assumption is, is that no one knows um, even though a lot of fans online seem to know how much they're going to spend and when the fans are going to come in the stack the grounds no one really knows when what we're going to have as income no. um, so the clubs have decided to vote and they've voted for in favour of a fixed cap. So before we kind of go into the bit of the details, what was your kind of first thought when you heard this? Two, two things really. One, I, I, I was a bit surprised it got voted through. I, I did think that there would probably be more of the bigger clubs, who this obviously is going to affect down the line to, to maybe outweigh the smaller clubs, but it looks like it's passed by maybe one or two votes. So like you, I thought I was quite surprised it went through. In terms of my personal view of it, I'm quite happy with it. To me, I think it's a good place for us to start on the podcast because we've got a lot of things to talk about from new kits to squads and stuff. But in reality, this is the biggest change to the competitive nature of the Football League, particularly League 1 and 2, um, that we've seen maybe in my time, to be honest with you, supporting supporting a football club at this level. Because it is going to very much level the playing field as far as I can read. And I know there are discussions about loopholes and ways around it and stuff, and you've got some information to share on that. But to me, it, it's certainly certainly feels like if you're in League One, once this is settled down and, and you know we've, we've dealt with some of the issues, it's going to make things a bit more even. And let's be honest, as a football club that are sort of in the middle of that table, we're not the biggest, we're not the smallest in League One, we're probably going to shake out somewhere a little bit better than we were previously, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a massive change. And I think that, you know, it's interesting to bring to the fans what this is going to involve, because having looked online, I think there's a, a lot of questions that fans have about it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly massive, in my opinion, Ollie. Yeah, no, it's certainly going to be potentially be be huge. Um, I guess it's mm. and in all these things you can make rules, but how are they how are they followed and how are they exactly? Yeah. It's going to be the big thing. So there was an announcement, um, a short announcement from the EFL, which didn't really explain too much, but gave a bit of an overview. And what was the, what was the, what was in that um, statement, Glenn? Yeah, so I think we just we might just mention there, but the fixed cap is two point five million in our league. Um, so for, from the rules, when calculating total salary spending, the cap's going to include your basic player wages, um, any taxes involved in those player wages, um, player bonuses, so your goal scoring bonuses, your you know maybe um, I don't know all sorts of bonuses you might be getting for appearances and appearance things. Bonuses, um, like that, yeah. yeah. Um, 
player image rights, which is probably not quite as big of an issue at League One and League Two level as elsewhere in football, but it is included. Um, the agents' fees, which I think is really interesting, Ollie, because some clubs even at our level are paying extraordinary agents' fees, and, and that's going to massively affect their cap. Um, and then other fees and expenses paid directly or indirectly to all registered players, um, and any income generated from players going out on loan is deducted from the club's salary cap in their calculation, which is fair enough because once they're at another club, they shouldn't really count towards your salary cap. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of stuff that's included in it. And I say the one that stands out to me there, Ollie, is agents fees. So that's quite a big one, isn't it? And um, there's a big one mm. to have that included in. So yeah. you know, when you first saw this or heard it, you first you just think, okay, I know X players on three k a week, so that means that's going to be the cap. But you forget that obviously how complex football is and all the different th- things that go around it. Yeah, it could be it could be quite big. It could be, yeah. So uh, you know, it it. it it is a case of you know for football clubs trying to. I mean, you've 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 had some information, haven't you, Ollie, recently about how this is all going to shake out because this doesn't just you know it, it starts at a certain date, but there are some things that are going to be different for this first season, aren't they, going forward? But you know, in terms of of, of, a, of a package of um, you know what we would offer a player coming to this football club, to me, once the salary cap settled down, it would probably make me feel that player wages at League One level, maybe not League Two level, but at League One level, might have to come down a little bit from the sorts of wages that you know players are trying to offer Will Griggs or the, or the better players in the division I don't know what what do you think Ollie surely it's going to be a, a downward pressure on wages down the line yeah I think it's going to have a downward pressure on wages and that's probably why the PFA was so quick to kind of put a statement out um, mm. obviously the EFL have lawyers of their own so they also <laughs> felt that they had they had a strong case they wouldn't have done this unless their lawyers um, kind of gave their approval um, so that'll be interesting how that obviously the PFA are going to do anything that's is going to put any kind of limit or potentially soften um, the kind of any wage inflation or and you'd expect wage decreases to come down but now let's be quite brutal a club's income is coming down the biggest yep. expenditure is player wages so therefore you'd expect the player wages to come down um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that works out um, but yeah so there's, there's not too much detail in the EFL statement so I did I'm a bit of um, using our contacts, let's say, um, and we spoke to a couple of people who have are on the inside, um, and we can share a few very interesting bits of data. So, first of all, the cap started on the 8th of August. So, as soon as the announcement was made, the cap started. Um, so, any wages that are obviously any wages since then go towards this cap. Okay. Interestingly, under 21 players do not play, um, do not go towards the cap. So if you've yep. got loads of under twenty ones coming through your academy, or you've you know hoovered up loads of youngsters, even potentially on high wages, they do not count towards the cap. So obviously having youngsters is going to be a big benefit. I think that's fair. Yep. Yep, I think that's quite good. Um, and then um, then it gets a bit boring, but a bit more complex and a little bit messy because <laughs> it isn't just bonuses and stuff that get included. It gets it also gets included is the employer's national insurance cost, private oh, medical right. insurance costs. And then things like, if you imagine, Glenn, that you know, an agent might say, well, my player's moving from London to Shropshire. I want you to pay yeah. his relocation fees and I want you to pay his, his housing for the first year. Now, all that gets included. So these, mm. um, so these spreadsheets can have a lot of columns in them <laughs> to capture <laughs> all, these, all these costs. And then interestingly, the way that it's been done, because, I don't know, let's just be a little bit silly for a moment. Let's pretend that the Sunderland chairman, in all their wisdom, decided to give Will Grigg a, a 20, 20k a week wage. You know, they were giving money out like it was it was free. So let's pretend that he's yeah. on 20k a week. Now, his wage will not count as 20k a week in this cap. 
And what has been done is the clubs um, share data and basically the EFL calculated the average wage. Now, there's a few average wage numbers kicking around, um, but one of them I've got for is um, £2,185, which is quite exact. Yep. And then you add on top of that about 15% for their benefits, which gets to um, £2,500. And essentially, that is going to be the wage um, of players that are already under contract by um, League One teams. And that will count towards um, their cost of the, of, of the contract in the cap. So the the average wage in our division is thirty k a year. I, yeah, it seems low, but I suppose when you're taking across the highest paid earners and no, no, it's about so if you have the average wage comes to about one hundred and hundred and ten k a week a year. Sorry, so it's over hundred k oh, right. a year is the average. Sorry, you're looking at average wages per week. Yes, yeah, per 2K. week. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh wow. That's yeah. Pretty so good, if you take so someone's fair. on one k a week, <laughs> and that would equate to around fifty k a year. If you've got a youngster. Um, on 800 quid it's like 40k um, but yeah so yeah. basically the players are on obviously high tax wow. earners and they're over 100k um, which is interesting in so, League 1 Mad. yeah for League 1 money it's not bad is it coming out of school no, you're uh, not going to uni, doing alright you know, there not having a trade <laughs> but working very hard and obviously giving up a lot to, to yeah. get paid but yeah League 1 football is, is lucrative and it's a, it's a good career choice obviously yeah even if you're a journeyman player that plays League 1 football for most of your career and maybe has a few years at the championship you should, you know, you're know, you looking at over a million pounds in terms of maybe a 10 year career so yeah it, it's, it's, it's it shows you how that issue with you know wages has spiralled down the leagues and, and this is why we're now looking at a, a salary cap because it has become unsustainable for clubs even probably our size and, and below really so yeah interesting that this is going to be a very complex issue to sort out and you know you like to think that football clubs are going to have to be very very um, accurate with their <laughs> bookkeeping Ollie so that they don't end up getting fined or going over the cap because you know one of the things I haven't seen Ollie is what happens if you break the cap or you accidentally yep. do something that breaks the cap I assume it's a competitive points uh, sort of deduction or something well, or is it just fines I don't know at first it's fines so there'll be fines mm-hmm. um, that will be levied um, if you overspend um, by a set percentage, by 5%, you'll basically go to an independent commission, which I don't All know right. what that could be. So that could be quite serious. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fine. So if you if you breach it by um, about 100k, you'll have about 300k fine. So it's mm. it's not insurmountable, but there's a, there's a, yeah, you know, going over 100k means maybe you could sign one player extra with no bonuses. So it's pretty tough. Um and yeah, it's going to be a challenge for some of those um, larger clubs because if you look at Shrewsbury's um, expenditure on wages, now that includes yeah. Brian and the ticket officer and the media manager. But Shrewsbury spent four point one million on wages yeah. Yeah. Um, in in eighteen nineteen accounts. Blackpool four point two, Wimbledon four point seven, um, and Southend was five point six. And then you look at Barnsley, Portsmouth; they're in the seven eight million. So. Mm. I know. If I was Oxford and I was P- and Portsmouth, I'm sorry, not Portsmouth, Peterborough, I would definitely would be in favour for this because you know they're they're going to be potentially have a big competitive advantage against Sunderland and Ipswich. And obviously, this is where it gets, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be too mean, but yeah, some of these bigger clubs have had a bit under not under underperformed obviously to be in League One some of these large teams. But also when they've been in in, in say for example Ipswich in the championships, you know, they're not mm. they haven't got they're not a team with a huge income. Uh, when you look at the set of accounts for 1718, um they are about sixth or seventh from bottom in terms of income. Yeah. So obviously now they're in League One, they expected and hoped that they'd be able to kind of 
kind of flex their muscles. So I can understand why their fans are really frustrated because, yeah, they have an income of, of 17 million um, in the 17, 18 accounts. Lowest was Barnsley with 12 million, um, up to Hull with like 48 million. Um, obviously, some parachute payments in there as well. But they obviously thought that they're going to be able to flex their muscles and have some fun and sign some players and try and win the league quite comfortably. Um, but <laughs> this is a real leverer for the league. Um, so yeah, I can understand why they're frustrated um, because I think you know if we were in League One, we'd potentially. So if we were in League Two, we'd potentially be frustrated as well of being capped on on our spending. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Something I saw a few times talking about Ollie is you know if we were to go down into League Two now, maybe it's not as easy for us to flex our muscle and you know be a club that can get out of it quite as quickly as possible. But you know at the end of the day, this is about sustainability and it's about keeping football clubs going and, and making sure that we get through a tricky period. But also, let's be honest about it, before we got to the coronavirus issues, Ollie, we had clubs going to the wall. You know, Berry happened pre-coronavirus and this is more this is more about the long-term survival of football where the rich are getting richer and, and us down the bottom are, are struggling more and more unless we think of innovative ways to make cash. But uh, it's interesting when yeah. I'm Port- Peterborough because it, it, this morning I was just reading something about the seven clubs that did vote against this and you could probably name them, Ollie, because they're the seven biggest clubs in the division. But it's Sunderland, Portsmouth, Oxford, Ipswich, Hull, Wigan and Charlton. Um, obviously a few of them have come down this year but you know P- Peterborough haven't voted against it by the looks of it which is interesting and, and I think that you know we've obviously Brian's been very clear that we were for it um, as a club so it, it's obviously something we think it's going to probably benefit us in the long term in terms of our yep. sustainability so I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it is my, my general view oh, yeah. and, I, and I'm interested to see how it shakes out. The, the other thing I was going to say Ollie is it makes... Um, uh, it makes ownership changes an interesting point as well because previously, if you were someone that had a fair bit of money and you thought, okay, right, I'm going to, you know, chuck a load of money into a, obviously Charlton's a bad example, but a Charlton or a, or a I don't know, a Portsmouth who, who've got wealthy owners, but some some very rich owner wanted to take them back up the leagues. You can't really do it in the way you used to be able to now because you will have that well, cap for of one money season. And... That's the thing we don't yeah. know. So I think there's a lot exactly. of things that have been said about this salary cap. Is that some people think it's the end of football and some of the drama um, sometimes. Mm. Um, so I saw that some Sunderland and Ipswich fans um, were saying they were going to boycott away games, <laughs> which for me seems a bit juvenile. Um, if, if they don't want to come to games, this is probably the best season not to do it. Don't come, lads. it's fine. <laughs> and we will we'll have a bait, better home advantage. We'll put pressure on the ref. And to be honest, in this one season, your income or potential income you'd have given us doesn't really matter because we've got a salary cap. So it's actually not really going to impact us too much. It just means that we just basically would basically to bank the cash and save it for another year. Yeah. So I think people are a bit frustrated. And I understand why, you know, Sunderland Ipswich fans would be frustrated. Um, but I think people are being a little bit a little bit blindsided and people need to step back a second. No, at this point in time, on what's the date today, Glenn? It's the 9th of August. No one knows when fans are going to be allowed back in grounds. And no one knows. So let's take Shrewsbury's ground. Yes, we can laugh and joke. We only fill it 60%. But that and our season ticket holders are about three thousand, so we could actually easily save socially distance in the stand in the ground. Correct. Now let's just pretend I don't know. Let's say um, Portsmouth, who have seventeen thousand average attendance. Let's just pretend there they got twelve thousand season ticket holders. They couldn't. I'm sure they couldn't socially distance twelve thousand season ticket holders. So they have to give money back to those guys that can't come in if we don't have full stadiums. So, yep. so many unknowns, and I think people who are kind of. Um, being very frustrated and, and very angry about this and you know saying they're going to boycott games they seem to uh, miss the fact that no one knows what in club these clubs are going to get mm. 
I, I would say that the fans of those seven clubs in general reading Facebook and some of the message boards for those clubs and, and Twitter have lost their minds about it, you know, stirred <laughs> up by the CEOs and the directors at those clubs that have also had their say to kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of have their, their fans you know, speak on their behalf in some respects. But much like when we called the league off, much like lots of different things that have happened in football over the last few years, there's difficult decisions that need to be made. And some clubs are going to have to just uh, take the pain. And, and some clubs like us so far are going to sell through it relatively unscathed. You know, we we got away with the season ending soon because we, we were already mid-table. It didn't matter. We, we're kind of are quite happy with this salary cap coming in because we're, we fall somewhere in between the, the haves and the have-nots. So, you know, as a club, we can count ourselves quite lucky. But I can understand why at both ends of the spectrum, there are fans of clubs that think this is unfair and, and their clubs have been run in a very different way to how Accrington and Shrewsbury and Wimbledon and, and the clubs that are owned by um, you know community trusts and stuff like that. You know, Sunderland's and Ipswich's are not run that way. They're run with a with a much different financial model with wealthy owners that can, can do things that they, they just want to do. And, and this cap is going to mean they can't. And it's unfortunate, you know. It's it's a different type of football, and as you say, it might last one season. I hope it doesn't. I hope it just continues to to, to level the playing field going forward. But the only, um, you know, I say I'm for it. The only thing I would worry about is that there is no salary cap, um, as far as I'm aware, at the championship so far, Ollie. Um, which then does really distance the championship away from League One. The, the gap then becomes well, unbelievably it doesn't, it doesn't. wide, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't. Doesn't yeah, it? I think I think that, I'm not sure how true that is. So let's say, okay. for example, um, Shrewsbury have a stellar season. Um, the salary cap. Um, just to the much annoyance of lots of fans, we have a, a super season. Um, we do. We have another Paul Hurst-esque season, and we go up into the championship. Now, the salary mm. cap means that we've actually saved three million pounds because we haven't spent that much money True. on wages. We go up. We get the extra eight million. Um, you know, half of our players' contracts normally expire after two years anyway. So potentially, <laughs> got fifty percent of our squad disappears. And then we spend the money for the championship. So, yes, in terms mm. of long-term squad building, but most of the time, I just I think. I think a lot of people are kind of playing mystic balls. No one knows what's going to really happen. Um, and I think, yeah, people have been quite emotive um, in terms of I, I think, their response to this. I think, Yeah, I think you're right. If you got up, you'd take that money. But I think it's more about the fact that once you're up there, you know, the salary cap then disappears in the championship. And, you know, every other club's got infinitely more money than us to sort of uh, spend spend you out of trouble. But I suppose that's the same as it is now, to be honest with you, isn't it, Ollie? So I guess you're right. Maybe it isn't quite as And I think this, some people think this, 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 this has been implemented as a leveller. Now, interestingly, the championship, the Premier League has a leveller. And they go the other way and they give everyone money. So they all spend you know, there's no way that you can tell mm. that Bournemouth bring enough money, not much, much money to the Premier League as Man United do. Now, Man United, yes, do make more money because they have their foreign revenues and they get a greater share of that. But the domestic money, they all share it basically to create a leveller by giving more teams more money. Now, Liverpool Man United fans could say, well, that's not fair. I don't give Bournemouth and Sheffield United and West Brom and Fulham <laughs> money. So they, so people don't mind that. And I'm sure it's which fans wouldn't be moaning when they're going to, if they get back to the Premier League and they get that money, but they don't want levelling mm. this way. Now, I'm sure that this cap, I'm confident this cap was not put in as a leveller. I think for clubs like Shrewsbury and, and Wimbledon, um, I think this is a, a side benefit. Now, yeah. A lot of fans probably wouldn't believe that and don't agree. Now, also turning around, what is wrong with levelling? Football is supposed to be competitive. It's just competitive and it shouldn't just be about... If it's if the football is just about finance, sometimes I just think when you see these arguments, let's just do a league table of attendances, of income, and then just stop playing football. You know, let's, It's about competition. And one of the first, biggest frustration things I have with football is that, you know, you know, Wolves, look at Wolves now. Wolves are going to have to spend millions and millions to get into the top six. It's a bit of a closed book shop, you know. 
you know, if Ipswich, Sunderland, they could never get into the top six unless they had a, a massive sugar daddy. And I think that's just a bit sad that you can't get to the highest echelons of football without without funding externally. Wolves are trying to do it and breaking the rules, aren't they? They've got pulled well, up yeah. by UEFA for, for <laughs> breaching their salary cap. So what does that say? But I exactly. mean, going back to Shrewsbury, it, you know, I saw fans of, of uh, clubs saying, oh, these little tin pot clubs, you know, to play League One football for them and, you know, talking about us and Wimbledon is like, you know, getting to the Champions League for them. For us, well, it's not, is it? And, you know, it doesn't mean we're unambitious. By voting this through, it makes it, you know, that potentially competing in League One level for the Championship this season and next season and going forward is slightly easier for us. So it's it's a competitive advantage in some respects. And as I say, it is a side benefit because, you know, Brian has been very clear in interview after interview, even with us, um, the press, everybody, that it's about sustainability and that our football club potentially could could be under threat if the COVID keeps going and, and income is down. So this is the sort of thing that, you know, is a side benefit, but focused very much, like you said, on, on helping a football club like us and, and numerous other league clubs um, stay in business at the moment. So, yeah, I, I'm happy yeah. with it. It's interesting, you, you did look a little bit at, you know, what we might have left in our salary cap, but you did a bit of a spreadsheet, didn't you? And, you know, talk, talk us through what you had a look at with that. Yep, so what I did is I got the squad together um, and I looked at it. So just first of all, we've got a number of under-21 players. Um, and one of the players, I can't remember who it was now, um, is makes it by a couple of days. Um, I think if I'm using the cap as the date of when the the, the, um, the under-21 reference kind of starts. Oh, so got it's Cameron, Rochelle Williams, wasn't it? Yeah, Rochelle Williams, um, Cameron, Callum Gregory, um, Scott Nye on loan. Um, we've got um, James Rowland and Ryan Barnett. So in my in my in my assumptions, which I'll share online afterwards, I'll share the spreadsheet so everyone can have a look. Um, is effectively yeah, they're zero um, when it comes to wages um, in terms of the cost. And then we have players like, you know, obviously Dave Edwards. I'm sure Dave Edwards. You'd assume he's on more money than the individual average, which with yeah. with national insurance and all those medical insurance costs, I've calculated. Um, I've using the number 2,513. So we've got Jason Cummings, Sean Worley, Ollie Norburn, Dave Edwards, um, and then in defence, we've got Ebanks Landall, we've got Alan Pierre, Scott Goldborn, and Donald Love, which I've assumed are on that divisional average. And then you've got Harry Burgoyne, um, you've got Ryan Sears, um, you've got Brad Walker, um, Josh Daniels is the new signing, Daniel Adeau and Pike that we signed. And I've made some assumptions on their wage, which I'll share. I won't go through all the details now yeah, because it's a bit online. boring. And then I've also assumed <laughs> um, bonuses, which I think I've undercooked, but I've basically put like basically 5K for most players, 15K for Dave Edwards. I'm assuming that we're going to score some goals. So J- J- Jason Cummins gets a really nice 30K bonus, which I think probably is quite low. So I've... So basically, total bonuses for the year is mm, yeah. 165k, which I'm sure is low. But anyway, you've got to start stop somewhere. So basically, I've calculated. Yeah, yeah. We've cal- so basically, I've calculated we're spending at the moment using those um, using those rules 1.8 million, which leaves us with um, 666,000 pounds less. Now, if you cap that, and if you say we signed four first team players, we could pay those players actually over 3k a week each. So actually, for hmm. Shrewsbury. Um, much to the annoyance of of um, yeah um, the bitter clubs at the top of the league, um, yeah we could actually we're actually in a really comfortable position and we can actually yeah. sign a few players um, on decent wages for League One level um, and so even if you added five players in we could still get let's calculate that so we could spend two thousand six hundred pound a week on those players including benefits so you know we've still got a bit of money left so basically the good news is for Shrewsbury is that we're well within the cap. And we've got a bit of money still left to spend. 
And we should add that it doesn't stop us trying to hoover up some pretty decent loans or even yep. full-time signings that are under 21. Exactly. Um, and, and they aren't going to affect the cap. So, there's, so there's let's definitely, play a you know, game, it's, Glenn. It's, let's pretend yep. we're able to get Jude Bellingham on loan from Borussia Dortmund <laughs> and he would count zero towards our um, our cap. Yeah, I can't see that one happening. I I'll can't see that happening, no, but it's a, you can only dream, Glenn. I'm sure someone yeah, has signed Jude Bellingham for sure he's beyond football manager. We'd have to retire a shirt then once he leaves on, exactly. so I uh, wouldn't, be, wouldn't yeah. be too keen on that. Um, but yeah, I think it, it means that you know when we talk about the squad in a little bit while, we've definitely got the flexibility to do some of the things that fans are still expecting in terms of, of signings and stuff. So yeah, interesting interesting bit of uh, analysis there, Ollie, and I think definitely worth sharing online down the line, even if your numbers are off a little bit. I'm, I'm sure it's a, a reasonable first view, isn't it? But yeah, there we go. Is there anything else on the cap from your research you, you wanted to bring to the table? it there, Glenn. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Well, we'll move on now to having a look at uh, what's happened with the squad. Steele's head to Steve Kerrigan. Steele gets the return pass and scores. The perfect one-two from the strikers. So, we've obviously been talking about signings and the squad related to salary cap, but there's been a fair few changes since we last caught up, Ollie, um, in terms of players coming in, players going. And uh, we mentioned, I think on the last podcast, the guys that's, um, whose contracts had expired. So we don't need to mention uh, those guys that left, like the Romain Vincelants and the, and the Joe Murphys. They've, they've gone when their contracts expired. But obviously one loss we have had is someone we offered a contract, Ollie, um, Josh Laurent. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about Josh leaving. He's gone to Reading um, on a free a good move for him, Ollie. Um, possibly someone we missed, but I, I saw a lot of fans, you know, saying that he wasn't irreplaceable, con- considering you know he's gone to a championship side, which is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? But you know, maybe there's a bit of merit in that, Ollie. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I think I think Josh Laurent is, and I'm going I'm to sound a bit arrogant when I say this, as if I know more <laughs> about football than some. But I think sometimes a player can be underappreciated in his time. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I, was, I did a, bit, a little bit of a summary for um, for a Reading um, podcast, and in writing it, and also doing the squad as well. Like, if you had to put a position, where would you put? You know, I did that summary of our players. Yep. Where would you put Josh Laurent? What in terms of position? One position. Oh, uh, central field. But we can play everywhere, can't we? That's so. I think that's what we'll miss. Through the middle, can play, yeah. Yeah, can play anywhere on the wings. He's played up front in a front three. Um, he's played in every position. He's really athletic. He mm. can cover the ground. I'm sure his mileage stats are really impressive. Um, yes, he didn't score as many goals, but there is a little caveat about, you know, in terms of goals that we score as a team. Um, and I think he's just one of those players that I think you'd, I think you'd, yes, he can be frustrated. He's missed some chances. He isn't perfect. But I think he's one of those players that when you look back and go, oh, you know what? I wish we had a Josh Laurent in this squad. And I would say potentially he's one of our, he was one of our best players. Is he good enough for the championship? He's going to have to prove that. And maybe he'll do better in a better team. But do you you think that's fair or do you think I'm being a bit too positive? I I think there's an argument to say that we never really saw the best Josh Laurent, which is a weird thing, again, considering we saw him play for two years. But for for most of those two years, he played with a handbrake on, like the rest of the squad. And yeah, you can say that, oh God, he would miss a lot of chances and this, that and the other. But tell me a player in the last two years who hasn't been defensively minded and missed loads of chances and and looked like a negative player at times. At least there were periods, Ollie, and we've done this podcast for the two years he played, where he was regularly being the one we'd say, God, at least he was running forward or at least he was giving us a bit of, you know, um, forward momentum. And, you know, he'd like to have seen us playing in a more attacking uh, tilt for those two years and seeing what Josh was like because I think he would have been leaving as a player that everyone was like oh my god Imagine he, him he's going to absolutely in, in smash Paul the Hurst championship if, you, if, yeah. we'd had, if we'd signed him in January in that Paul Hurst team 
bit of extra oh, drive. Um, mm. I don't think he'd be rated as as, as good as Nolan. Um, so yeah. yeah, and that's which, the thing, isn't yeah. it, about players? And I know I've learned. I'll, I'm happy to say, you know, I said once many moons ago that James Collins wasn't a League One player. And when yeah. you look back now, it's just a stupid <laughs> comment to make. Absolutely <laughs> stupid. But you have to it's remember. Possibly. That, yeah, you've got the players, you know, their personal life to, to talk about. We obviously heard about Lingard and we had a, there's a player from Accrington Stanley who retired for, for personal reasons. And you've got the yeah, system you're playing in, you know, and we've talked you know, about how, you know, we've talked about Gary Peters and Mark Tierney lumping the ball forward. You've got tactics, teammates. You've got so many factors that determine how good yep. a player does. Um, good luck to him. Um, I think, and also, yes. I think it's worth saying he's a really nice lad. In, you know, you know, you have a player that plays with a smile, and you never saw him. You know, you never saw him moaning or you know whinging or nope. not trying. You couldn't doubt his effort ever for us, which is something town fans respect a lot of as well. And I saw his first interview with Reading, and he, he was really appreciative of us as a club and and what we'd done for him. And he sort of said, oh, I'll, "I'll always love that club," which was nice to hear. You don't always get that from players that leave us a lot of the time. So he clearly respects how we, for two years, put his career back on track and have now given him a chance to to progress. And I think um, Sam Ricketts mentioned it in his interview when he left about how you know it's another thing to show that if you're a player and you want to come and build yourself back up, you've got a chance to do it at a club. Like Shrewsbury Town in League One, it worked for Josh Laurent. You know, I suspect next year it will probably be the same issue for for Rochon Williams. He may be destined to go and do a similar thing. Um, and and we are continuing to prove that, whether through our own young youth system or bringing in players on loan or permanent signings from clubs that have been let go higher up, we can re- sort of rehabilitate them, which you know is a good thing for us because we get the best out of some good players and we we allow people to move on hopefully normally for a bit of money I mean it looks stupid not to have sold Josh Laurent in January doesn't it now going back because well, we didn't play very many games after yeah. January and you know but it's all you don't know the details do it's you? all subjective yes yep yep no it is so that's gone he's the only one that's left obviously Omar's still considering his uh, contract but I suspect he might be considering several contracts latest rumours are that he might be talking to crew so we'll see how that one goes but um, we should just mention um, obviously as we're talking about the cap and under 21 players being free um, it was probably very good then to get um, Ryan Barnett and Cameron Gregory to sign um, a couple of extended deals as well so those two will be in the first uh, first team squad next year not costing us anything and good to see hopefully we can have two young players progressing but you know, outside of that, Ollie, three signings uh, in this last week, um, all very different. Yeah, so we've got three new signings, which is, um, yeah, um, some captured the imagination, bless their cotton socks. Shooter Town fans are very <laughs> quick to be negative, um, but sometimes rightly, you know, because we can do our, we do do our research soon, you know, with, with yep. Wikipedia today. Um, now, interestingly, and someone did give me some grief for saying, just because they haven't got Wikipedia page doesn't mean they're not any good. Yes, but it also <laughs> means give no idea who they are, and it makes it very hard to to prepare for a pod <laughs> and that's why we yeah. have Wikipedia pages because we can exactly. steal with, with pride and make ourselves sound like we know what we're talking about because let's be honest we don't know most don't. of the signings because the there's literally hundreds of thousands of players um, exactly. at our level so who's the first signing Glenn and who's taking the number nine shirt the number nine shirt yeah Recure Pike uh, a free deal from Huddersfield obviously linking up with the uh, the coach we just bought from there, um, Dean Whitehead. So, you know, he's obviously had him there. But obviously Ricketts knows him from his time at Wrexham as well, where he had him on loan, I think, in, when was it, 2018-19 now, just before Ricketts left. And, um, yeah, he's 22, so he's he's not under the cap, Ollie, which is a shame. Um, he is a striker, um, and the managers said he's six foot two, very quick, very strong, and I believe he's got loads of attent- uh, potential. Um, said he was delighted to get him as a permanent signing. Can't wait to get him in and help him develop and watch him progress. Um, there aren't many players blessed with his pace and strength. So, Ollie, similar to what we were just talking about with Josh Laurent, it's a, it's a player coming down to, to maybe take a step back up. 
But, you know, what was your first reading of it? You know, you look at his record and you, you read what other fans think of it. And, yeah, it's not always the best steer, but I don't know. What do you what do you think of this signing? Yeah, it's, it's these signings can go either way, can't they? Um, For definitely sure, need yeah. to give him, obviously, a bit of time. But I don't think at the same time, I don't think there's any harm in Chelsea Town fans looking at Wikipedia, seeing he's played in total 78 games and scored eight goals. <laughs> that doesn't really <laughs> bless me with a huge amount of confidence. Now, could he be an anti-Sarsovic? And be pretty mm. rubbish, or could it be a Toto that came from Hartlepool and no one knew him? Everyone's yeah. like, "Who's this rubbish defender?" And he's probably one of the best defenders that we've had in the last ten years. So, be interesting to see how Harry Kyle gets on. Um, you know, I saw a few comments chatting to a few Rochdale fans who weren't overly com- overly pleased. A few Port Vale fans said that you know he's got some potential and really see the best of him. So, I think he's one of those ones where you don't really know. And fingers crossed, he can be he can be good. Um, but yeah, well, the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah, I think you know you look at his record. and He got five goals in twenty three at Wrexham, so Ricketts maybe saw him at his free scoring best. But since then, he's played um, nineteen games at League One level for Rochdale across two seasons and scored just one goal at our level, which is you know probably probably the same as some of our defenders. To be honest with you, um, and for me, you know, you give every player a chance. We've absolutely no idea whether he's going to use this and to kick on. You know, like we talked about with Josh Lawrence, but it's just the pattern of strikers that we sign sometimes frustrates me. You take Cummins away from it, and our pattern tends to be strikers that haven't scored very many goals across their career quite young haven't actually played that many games and then you know we we kind of think both Christmas fans are a bit miffed about his his, his contribution to the games and lack of goals and and you know really do we wonder why it's the sort of same pattern repeats itself over and over and over again and so it seems unfortunately for Rico Pike that it's like a poison chalice now in some respects <laughs> because everyone's going to kind of think that now because this is what keeps bloody happening to be honest with you but um, I suspect he's pretty pretty cheap to be honest with you Ollie. he won't be on the highest wages for the cap so um, I suspect he's been brought in to be our first choice striker very similar to um, Morrison last season obviously that went completely wrong but Ricketts was clearly looking for someone with strength and, and a bit of um, a bit of physicality up front that we probably don't have with the Doe and Cummings um, so he, he does offer us something we don't have now whether it's going to be the sort of signing that, that turns out to be Carlton Morris-esque which is what we probably exactly, hope for you know, Carlton, Mor- exactly. Carlton Morris yeah. didn't score many goals he scored nope, five he or six or something but he obviously but he enabled. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, let's just let's just have a little bit of fantasy. Josh Daniels gets ten goals. Sean Wally scores ten goals. Dave Edwards gets ten goals. Um, and Nadeau gets ten goals. All supported. Dreamy. With Pike, yeah, being a integral to those goals being scored. Then you'd say, "Cheers, mate. Thanks very much." So let's give him <laughs> let's give him a bit of a doubt and see how. Yep. Hopefully, he doesn't do a Ludlow when we first see him um, and <laughs> gives us dread and fear for whenever he comes on. So let's see how, how hey. he goes. And one thing I would say is Ricketts clearly sees a lot in him because he's given him one of the fabled three-year contracts Ooh, on it, which is surprising. Deals under Ricketts have worked pretty well so far. So, yeah, could this be the breaking of the chain or is this going to be a continuation of that trend? Yeah, I, I think they would have to be pretty confident it's going to be uh, something that works for it to be a three-year deal. But yeah, we're seeing more and more of these three-year deals. They used to be rare as hen's teeth for years and years during the 90s and the early 2000s. And yeah, we, we see them quite often now, don't we? But that's that's the striker anyway. I Personally, oh, we'll get to what else I think we need because um, I think we need another striker still. But um, yeah, next in then, Ollie, Scott High. Yep, Scott High taking the number 25 shirt um, on loan from Huddersfield. There's a theme here, Glenn. There's a theme. <laughs> um, so he's played 13 minutes for Huddersfield. Um, he signed a new deal under um, the Cowley brothers, gave him a new contract. So I think it's fair to say that they're, they're pretty good at um, you know, kind of evaluating talent. So let's take that as positive. Um, very mm. little information on him. He's 19 and he's coming to us on a one-season loan. So he could be a Luke McCormick or he could be a Ben Godfrey. 
who knows where he's going to kind of fall in that mix. Yeah, the sad thing is these sorts of signings have tended to be more Luke McCormack's than Godfrey's, yeah. haven't they? Because I was thinking back to the last few years, um, you think Godfrey stands out and, you know, can you come in and do that thing? But actually, we've had Luke McCormick, Louis Thompson, Ebu Adams, Dan James and Charlie Colcott, all from clubs, similar, you know, premiership teams like Huddersfield, all coming down thinking, oh, they might be able to do it. And, and really, the impact all five of those players had was almost nothing, to be honest with you. Whereas Godfrey came from Norwich and, and was absolutely fantastic playing a position that he doesn't ever play in anymore. Um, but so yeah, you'd like to hope that he can come and do a Godfrey, but you know the odds are, seem pretty low. However, if he's just a, a you know a bench fringe player and, and is going to be offering us no money on the cap and um, you know can kind of just get some football under his belt, it's probably going to suit us. It's going to suit Huddersfield. Um, so yeah, it looks like he might be a bit part player, but we, we don't know until the football starts. He might he might be a surprise, and I'm hoping he is personally. Yep, hope fingers crossed he'll be good. And then for me, this is then the next signing for me is the most exciting one. Yes. Um, so it's a winger, Ollie. It's a winger, <laughs> so that that will definitely make you happy, Glenn. Um, yeah, for you know, sure. I'm sure everyone's done their YouTube scouting reports, um, where he's finished with both. He's based on the plays on the left predominantly um, when he was playing in Ireland, Northern Ireland. Um, and he can kind of jump in from both sides. Um, when I chat to a couple of, um, of fans um, of his former team, they were quite, you know, quite complimentary about him for his work rate and his effort. Um, he scored a few goals, can play on both wings. He's 24. He comes in on a two-year deal. We, it was an undisclosed fee. Um, and um, Sam Rickett <clears> said, Josh is a, from Northern Ireland, a market where we're always looking to try and bring in the best talent. He's someone who's stepping up from part-time football, so it's a brilliant design attitude to want to succeed. Um, he's a sexist, he said he, um, he's a fantastic athlete. He's very um, skillful. He can go past people with his right and left foot. Cool. And he's got a huge amount of potential. Um, and then him, what did he himself said? He said, for me, it's a massive surprise and obviously an opportunity I couldn't turn down. I'm over the moon to be here. Um, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot. Um, and yeah, I think he's just probably really happy and excited to be at a, a professional football team in England. Yeah, it's a big step up, isn't it? You know, and... You know, we need a winger, don't we? We were so hamstrung by not having the ability to flex flex our tactics around and, and pair Wally up with someone on the other wing and, and play a different style last season that it was comical. So Ricketts is addressing this early as possible for me is a massive positive and, and shows maybe there are some signs that we will, we'll be looking at different approaches. So, you know, that's something to think about as we go into pre-season. You know, getting 15 goals and, and 13 appearances, as I say, in the Irish Premier League is nothing to be sniffed at for a winger either, is it? And um, clearly got an eye for goal. So that'll be good. It's nice to hear about having another skill skillful player because you know we could do a little bit more trickery and um you know ability to unlock a defense in the team i suppose the, the one thing is is how will he make that step up from part-time football to full-time football because we know about you know playing for a football league team now having been in and done the meetings with ricketts and stuff and listened to to um john pitts talk tell us about how training is it's intense being a league one football you work damn hard in training and you have expectations of how much you're going to run and you know, this kid's pretty pretty fit. He's obviously pretty young, but, you know, sometimes players don't quite take to that. I think of, it's a long time ago now, but I do think of Jody Bannon in terms of him giving an opportunity from a part-time club to a full, full, full-time club and never really taking it as seriously as he could have done. I think maybe times have changed <laughs> since then and I think this is a chance you probably wouldn't want to blow at his age, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he adapts to it. But if he can start running at players and, and, and doing, doing, doing the business with a bit of skill, you know, it won't take long for town fans to fall in love with him and, and you know, his career could go anywhere from there. So, you're right, definitely the most exciting of the three signings, I think. Yeah, and I think also with today's analysis and the fitness coaching and stuff, Sam Rickett said it's going to take him a bit of a while to kind of get up to that level. 
But with the with the le- level of surveillance that happens on the players today, their heart rate monitoring, monitoring their you know their VO two levels and all that kind of stuff, um, they'll have a really good idea of where he is. So yeah, you know he's not going to be thrown on because they think he's ready. They'll only get him. They'll only play him when they know he's ready. So I think that should help him as well because if you know I don't know we're five games into the season, they think yeah he's now ready to play thirty minutes at full speed, then he'll come on and be an impact sub. Um, rather than rushing him and just throwing him in, so I think the, the benefits of science could potentially help him as well. And he's coming early in preseason, hasn't he? So yeah, it gives exactly. him the best possible and I'm sure chance to be running getting up his, to speed, running his little legs off, um, trying to get as fit as possible. Yeah, he's trying to get as fit <laughs> as possible. And for me, him, it must be a really exciting. You know, he's coming from Ireland, playing full time. His parents got a young family, so he's come over to Shrewsbury, which you know we've we've seen from you know from Greg, um, Greg Doherty and people like that. It's a good place to come. He could be able to just focus on his football. He's financially secure. He's got a two year deal. So hopefully he can just focus on and kick on. So he, he, yeah, he, as you said, Glenn, he's he's definitely kind of the most exciting one so far. Yeah, and he's twenty four. He's not a raw, raw young no. lad, so he should have a fair. He's bit He's got of a family and stuff, so he's, yeah. you know that's going to be not that he probably needs any in, 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 incentive, but you know he's going to be. You'd imagine he's going to be working really hard to to kind of prove that he wants to be a freshman football. And I imagine this is a dream for him. It's something he probably has been looking forward to for his life. How long do you think it will be until Ricketts turns him into a wing back, <laughs> <laughs> or a, def- yeah, a defensive wing back? Oh, there we go. That's it. That's all we've all we've got uh, in terms of changes so far. But you know, I think that we'll move straight on to looking at where we're talking about the squad, Ollie, because it kind of comes off the back of this. But um, you know, we've we've still got areas for improvement, haven't we? And, and I think that you know, we we both got our thoughts on where we think we should improve. To me, you know, we still need cover at left back, um, potentially right back, depending on how Sears' injury got on. I know he came back at the end of the season, but you know, you, you probably want to be looking at some cover at the right and left wing back or left back right back positions. I mean, for me. Weirdly enough, I think that central midfield we probably need another body because Lawrence's gone, as we just discussed. I wouldn't call it a body; um, I'd call it quality. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really fair point. Edwards is going to be another season older. You know, he's not getting any younger. We're not sure Aaron Norburn's going to come back from his couple of bad injuries he's had now. To be honest with you, you know, this is something that's been happening a fair bit, and um, sometimes these injuries can knock a player back. And when we look at players we've had, like you know, uh, I can't can knock a player back or two. So. Yeah, I don't know. And then obviously Walker's Walker. Um, Vela is a risk. We don't know really know what kind of player he is. And then he obviously had had a bit of an injury record as well. So you're right. I think we do need someone to be partnering. If you're going to be playing two centre mids, it's almost certainly going to be Norburn most weeks with a other. At the moment, that'd be Edwards. But you'd, you'd probably like someone of quality. Well, it in depends there. what formation we're going to play. Are we playing four three three, four two three one, three five two, or three six? Well, I don't know. Who knows what we're going to be doing? You know how defensive or attacking we're going to be. And then you've got the number 10 role, which is still not filled. You know, we're not going to want to play Wally there again if we can help it. But, um, you know, we, we've, we've got the guy that was on loan at the end of last season we might be able to go in for again. But there are a few number 10s out there that might fit the bill. For me, if you're going to stick with the two-striker approach, I'd, I'd want to have four strikers in the club rather than the usual three we have. So yeah. potentially another backup striker. Um, and then obviously we, we need another goalkeeper. I suspect Cam Gregor will go out on loan. I think Burgoyne will start still. Um, and so you need, a, you need a bit of competition for Burgoyne. So... You know, still a fair bit of work to do, and you know, you talked about that being left four or five in the cap. Uh, you know, there's maybe five five positions there for me. Um, don't know what about you, Ollie? Yeah, for me, I think priority a starting left back. Um, you know, yeah, someone with a bit of pace. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we play four at the back. Um, if we're not, if we play three at the back, <laughs> we definitely need Beckles to sign or another central defender. I think for we sure. need another winger, yeah. either left or right, um, and then yeah, someone who's an attacking midfielder who can play a various various roles. And for me, I like signing um, above League One standard goalkeepers. 
Unless we could get Craig McGlivery back, I'd love to see him back. But yeah, for me, go and get another loney goalkeeper as to start, um, mm. which I think would be good. We asked a few other fans what they thought. Um, so Murray said he wants to see a few more central midfielders and a few more defence midfielders. He, <laughs> he's not happy with what we've got in the centre of the park. Um, Andy said he, left back or left wing back. Um, competition for both wings an experienced goalkeeper a number 10 and an attacking coach <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Ian was a, and this is a, and I don't just put this this is a lot of fans have said this and we haven't talked about this at all yet um, but Ian has said um, he, you know he can't believe we're letting Ricketts build a new team again he's shown nothing for us in his time so far <laughs> um, watch him get a new contract for the end of the year and we haven't talked about Sam Ricketts so far but mm. His tactics and his approach last year was boring to watch. Um, he did a good on par, I'd say, in terms of level or maybe just below par in terms of where we ended up on the points per game um, league table. Um, but I think it's fair to say that he still needs to win some heart of minds at the Shooter Town yep. fan base. Yeah, I, I think I haven't really got anything to add from when we wrapped up the podcast last season for the season saying... He's certainly had his time feet under the table. He's moulded the club in a lot of respects to what he wants to do. You know, we look at the training ground and those changes that we looked at there last year, Ollie. Um, he's almost he's got every personnel in he's wanted. You know, in terms of there's no one here now that he didn't you know inherit other than probably Wally, I suppose. So you know, the squad's his, the team's his, the club has been made to be his. And if you can't sort of show us a little bit more this season, then you know, at what point do you think this isn't working? So to me, we've got to be starting this season and, and be hanging around mid-table, top half. You know, we don't want to be down 18, 19th, you know, five, six games in. Um, and this is his chance to build the squad to show us he can do that and show us that he can play in a different way that isn't defensively minded football first and is a bit more attack minded and and exciting to watch. And you know, we're not. A massively rabid fan base are we Ollie no. you know ASCII had it probably worse than anyone's had it over the time and you know we had our say on ASCII but I think that was probably a, the right thing to do at the time you know we've we've had times where we've been thinking Ricketts was on, on the edge at times when the fans turned against him but he's got another chance now it is always a fresh start at the end of start of every season for anyone a lot of fans will carry across that um, you know, pessimism and 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 consideration of what he's given us so far, but it's it's only three, four, five games of positive results away from you being, um, you know, the cream of the crop, and everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet again. So, it's is his chance now. You know, he won't have any excuses. It's, it's, that's what I said in last season. There's no excuses now. This is his time to to take us to the next level. Um, and that doesn't mean promotion. That just means taking us back up a little bit further, I suppose. Yep. No, I totally agree with that. I think that's a fair summary, Glenn. Mm. Very fair. Mm. And then, yeah, we, we said we got a few Salopcasty bits to cover at the end of the Salopcast news. So we haven't really mentioned this, Ollie, but they have agreed now a, a season restart date um, for the twelfth weekend of the twelfth of September, Ollie. So we're here on the ninth of August now. So we're looking at a month away from the start of the season um, with no pre-season games announced <laughs> um, and a squad that still needs rebuilding. So you know, we, we talk about normally Town getting their business done early, but in reality, we've got a month to the start of the season now. Um, town players are back at pre-season, so you expect things if they're going to happen transfer-wise to maybe you know get a few bits done in the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, I don't like the transfer window being open um, when the season starts. Now, obviously, this is exceptional mm. um, times. So, yeah, this transfer window doesn't end until October. So it might be that, a bit like maybe last year when we got um, Goss and Cummings late, we might see a few yeah. late additions. Um, keeping a bit of cap back, sounds to sounding like the NFL now, keeping a bit of cap back <laughs> until the season kind of starts and get going is probably not a bad thing. But again, if you get, yeah. I don't know, um, uh, a young superstar striker who's under 21 doesn't matter anyway so yeah we have to almost we have to wait don't we for the championship clubs 
and lesser so the Premier League clubs sort their squads out and then we can kind of yep. get the dregs after the bigger clubs have taken away but hopefully again as you've alluded to already in this pod Glenn hopefully our reputation um, you know with kind of developing players will stand us in good stead and hopefully we can get some good loan players because let's not be any doubt loan players have a big impact on the performance of every team in this league yeah well, we, how many loan players have we got in now one so you yeah. think there's at least four more loan players coming because we normally yeah. always have five so um, and I suspect most of those are probably under 21 players which will, which will save us a bit of money but you know we're, we're talking about starting on the 12th of September say, which is a month away now normally we'd be looking at going to Ludlow for a pre-season game Ollie. so it'd be interesting to see some announcements on those games and I saw Lewis Cox this morning indicating that um, there are some that are scheduled and they just haven't been announced yet there's a big rumour that we'll be playing Ballatown in a game um, but Fans will not going to be any of these games, so I know. I'd love to watch it. I know you're as less enthusiastic, <laughs> yeah. but um, I'm jealous of the Pompey fans and sorry, Pom- Pom- posh fans. Um, talking about their pre-season games, I saw um, Bristol City, Bristol Rovers were playing in a game yesterday as well. Um, mm. I'd, yeah, I love watching football, whether fans are there or yeah. not. So I'd love to watch it, but I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately, for us. Unless we play a big team like f- like we did last year when we could watch the Villa game. Yeah, I do find it interesting that teams are already playing pre-season games this weekend just yeah. gone and we haven't even announced anything for next week yet so I suspect we'd be doing something next week it might be like a behind closed doors training game at Burnley like last season so I think they'll be playing some football but um, we'll see um, but in terms of fans it's just worth mentioning Ollie because obviously the season is going to restart on the 12th of September if you have a season ticket you will not be at that game you know let's be brutally honest about it I mean in mid-July the government were initially saying they hope to have fans back in October 2020 after some pilot schemes and Brian was talking about how um, as a football club we, we were looking to be one of those pilot schemes and we were best placed for it apparently so that was looking positive and then what was it a week ago start of August um, with the R value creeping up in certain areas and local lockdowns um, those plans were somewhat shelved so pilot schemes for example at the World Snooker the Goodwood Festival um, think cricket at the Oval they all got shelved um, and obviously anything to do with football is, is in the same boat so as we stand now as we said on the 9th of August no one yet knows what's going to happen come the um, 12th of September the next change in terms of, of a, a decision is going to be the 15th of August which is next weekend um, and there'll be a bit more of an, an update on what's happening with pilot schemes and, and you'd like to think that maybe they can be rolled forward um, and if so we can be involved but you know there's also this issue with local lockdowns now you know we, for example if Shrewsbury suddenly has a spike and we all get locally locked down it doesn't really matter because you know whatever the plans are your, your specific area like Leicester has had to deal with like the Manchester clubs would have had to have dealt with Aberdeen in Scotland you know you can you can park any ideas of fans being there and to add to all of that we've sold 2,250 season tickets which Ollie for me is a mega effort to be honest with you um, considering everything that's going on and has been really beneficial to the club in terms of money um, but yeah it's going to create big issues if fans aren't allowed in for a really significant period of time because that's 2,250 fans who've paid upwards of 300 quid for a season ticket they might not be allowed to use for a long time so it is interesting, Ollie. I don't know where where you sit now and what what you think is going to happen when we're we're going to be allowed to watch football again. Um, I reckon we'll be in by November. No, okay. I think we will be in by November, as in season tickets mm. holders at Shrewsbury Town. Probably social distance, no away fans allowed. Probably by November, maybe. Um, yeah. You know, the 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 government is very keen on anything that's economic. Um, so I think you know <laughs> there's a chance there we might, we might so it might be able to happen because of economic and GDP reasons so I think maybe that might happen mm. what about you? 
Well, it's interesting. I went back and listened to the podcast we did when we were reaching the peak of COVID, Ollie, and we were discussing whether the season should finish. And we had the five guests on, and and we had we had them estimate when they thought they were going to watch football at the Meadow again. So Phil said January 2021. Um, Chris Hudson agreed and said January 2021. Um, Tom Griff said summer 2021. Mike said, my brother said mid-2021, and Dan um, Hoff said early 2021. So, you know, if we end up getting in this year, we're ahead of schedule of what we all thought at the peak of the COVID, I suppose. But, you know, we're in the lap of the gods, aren't we, with second waves and anything that happens because everyone's been having summer holidays. Who bloody knows what's going to happen? But I'd like to hope, personally, we can get in and see some football in 2020. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, but you know we've all got to kind of keep our fingers crossed and let's be honest, keep trying to follow the rules and, and keep trying to keep Shropshire and Shrewsbury, which has not escaped unharmed to be honest with you, Ollie, but has been fairly, fairly okay and has a low, you know, low amount of infections at the moment. Let's try and keep us as clean as possible so that we can be one of those areas where football can happen and we can kind of get back to what we love. That's what that's why I'm following the rules because I want to get back to doing doing the things I like doing. So yeah, fingers crossed. I suppose is the way to cover that bit, Ollie. Yeah, no, definitely. Fingers crossed it happens. And yeah, I look forward to going back to a game. Looking forward to seeing people. I haven't seen many people over yeah. the last few months. No, I've started to get back to playing golf because that started again and seeing some of the lads I go to the football with, which has been good fun over the summer months. But as soon as the weather gets bad, golf's not a lot of fun in the rain and the mud, Tolly. So we'll probably knock that on the head as well. But um, yeah, it'd be good to get back to the social side of it as well. Um, that is a massive part of being a football fan, isn't it? And then, yeah, there's a couple of other things to comment on, Ollie, because... We've announced our new home kit for the season, which I'm pretty delighted with, Ollie. Yep, no, I think it looks pretty smart. It's better than last season's kit. I know a lot of the fan base who sure. stripes. So yeah, I think it's a good kit. Looks nice. Um, obviously, it's always it's always um, good to see it in the flesh, see how it looks. But yeah, I'm pretty pleased. I think you know, well done to the club after last year because last year wasn't didn't go down <laughs> as well as they probably would have hoped. No, they did a really good launch for it this time, didn't they? As well, and they they actually. Yeah, didn't put an oversized kit on Sean Wally in the and dark. take some photos <laughs> <laughs> in the dark. Yeah, but no, for me the kit's nice. You know, it's it's it does show that we can play in blue and amber stripes, but have a little bit of flair and a little bit of um, je ne sais quoi to it, sort of thing, because it fades away at the bottom into like a little diamond pattern, and it is an interesting design and quite quite um, cool looking. I think personally, you know, not who knows whether it'll be iconic in the future, but I like the idea of doing something a little bit different, but sticking with blue and amber stripes. I think we've talked about this a million times, Ollie. I am Mr. Blue and Amber Stripes. Um, and they've done well. They've they've small and you know it looks like the the sponsors a little bit smaller and and not quite as overbowering as it was on the kit last year. Um, looks like the proper colours, proper blue and amber. You know, there's, there's very little for me to be critical about on it this time. So yeah, we'll see how they got on with the away kit because we'll we'll need a new away kit. Um, I've heard rumours that it's going to be a white away kit, Ollie. So um, we'll we'll see how that goes in terms of of the design when that comes out and and that should be soon, you'd imagine. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Ollie. I'm I'm definitely going to buy one. I don't know what about you. Um, not really a not really a person that normally buys a home shirt, um, but I like oh, okay. I, might, I like to like some of the random away shirts you have. So maybe I buy one of those. I just do find a bit of being a bit boring old git now, but I do find it funny people buy a football <laughs> shirt because most of the season in England you wear a coat to football, <laughs> so you don't really get to wear yeah. it very often. So I'm not sure. No, I know. I know. I wear it in the I wear it in the summer months when people can see it and you know take it on holiday, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't generally buy too many shirts. But I think at the moment a lot of people are thinking, you know, it's a nice design. It's it's what you know town fans wanted, and actually it's a good opportunity again to support the football club and look, put a little bit of money through the doors when they're really needing it. You know, and so you know I think hope, personally I hope it's a massive seller, and I would on this podcast encourage as many people to buy that shirt as they possibly can to say you know we like blue and amber stripes but also you know to stave us through these difficult times so, and on those veins um, as well you know if you do want to get into to see shoes being one of the first to do it 
season ticket holder is the best way to do that one support the club if you can obviously obviously if you can afford it Um, but also yeah you'll be obviously give yourself that priority and again season ticket holders are always um, well treated by the club yeah, yeah, and the last thing in terms of saving money and, and the football club trying to save money is the only last announcement, which is probably the smallest of all the things we've talked about, is the grounds team have now been brought in house, Ollie. And there's not too much to say on that. Obviously, we were using Maxwell Amenity for the last few years, but why pay a company outside money when we can, you know, employ a couple of proper groundsmen and, and do it in house? So, you know, not the massive change, but just a, a kind of an indication of probably a place where the football club are just tightening their belt maybe a little bit and, and bringing that spend in house. I suppose. I, as a procurement person, I'd probably suggest that the cost is probably greater because you're not using the oh, economy. Because okay. yeah. if you're using the third party <laughs> like we were, they would be able. You know, you don't need to use um, a tractor every day. You don't need to use the I don't know the the scarifier every day. So you'd have economies of scale on equipment um, and insurance costs mm. and things like that. So I imagine there's not much in it at this level. Man, having no, um, so, but it's nice to obviously have your own staff, and obviously it's nice that people have been employed by the club. Um, so that's nice, mm. but I'm not sure if it's cheaper. I think that, from what I can remember, the equipment's all ours anyway. And Maxwell Amenity came and used it like they had a tractor, they had all the, the equipment. You know, you see it around the stadium. And that wasn't. I'm pretty sure that wasn't Maxwell Amenity's equipment. I think it's the club stuff they've always had. But who knows? You're right. It probably maybe doesn't save too much money. But yeah, that, that's it really. That was the only we other love, bit of news we, that's been over like the last few weeks. Club, right, so. We do like everyone loves pitch updates, so that was always good to see. <laughs> you do. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose it's quite good, but. There we go, Ollie. That's been a lot to cover. Bit of a from the caps pod, of the squad. First pod Oof. of the season. Mm. Catch up on new signing salary caps, and I know you love the salad news, so we've caught up on everything. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, it'd be nice to think we're probably going to go back to well, we're going to go back to our normal schedule. I suspect now, Ollie, trying to do it every Sunday. We might have to miss um, a couple over the course of August because we've got holidays, haven't we? But uh, and we if we can't watch pre-season them. games, there's little to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we might just do some update pods of new signings and, and what results and scores have been and looking at you know the match reports from probably Lewis and stuff. Um, but until we get to see something, whether it's a streamed game um, at some point down the line, then it's going to be difficult to do too much coverage. But yeah, we, we shall follow the club through this. There's plenty of other stuff to talk about with, with the football club in the context of everything that's happening. So there'll definitely be stuff to talk about. But we'll try and come back every Sunday, apart from when we've got holidays. And we have got a few other bits now. We're back at it, Ollie, planned, haven't we? Which we can't say too much about, but... Um, I think that should definitely bring a smile to people's faces when we put that out. So, um, yeah, we're back. And you're all going to be back soon in a ground at some point. And we shall, we shall meet again then, but it might be months away. But, yeah, the 2020-2021 season, Ollie, is, is go now. I think we should start every podcast with, yeah, this is the 2020-2021 um, season. <laughs> Yes, probably should do, to be fair. So, yes, good to be back, Ollie. We shall catch everyone on the next pod. Thanks for anyone who listened to the end. (laughs) Hope you have Uh, a nice weekend. Terrible. And, um, yeah, hope everyone's enjoying (laughs) the nice weather. Yes, and, uh, yeah, catch you next week. (laughs) 